Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome to the 11th episode of the Get Your Bell Rung football podcast. He is Kevin Reynolds. I am Bobby Wall, and we are here to talk all things football and hit you with some takes that might rattle you up a bit. Today's show is one of my favorites. It is our bold predictions episode. And before you add us, keep in mind, this isn't the consensus prediction show or the bland prediction show. This is the bold predictions show. Uh, but before we start ringing people's bells, Kevin, how you doing, bud? I'm doing all right, buddy. I got some rain today, so I had a little extra time here to catch up with life and see your shiny, beautiful face. You know, yes. what, a, what a gorgeous, gorgeous man. I'd argue if I could, my friend. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> we got another question, um, and this one was interesting because the subject of it was help with my handcuffs. So I was pretty interested to see what this uh, email was going to entail. It was fantasy football related. Um, so when we're talking handcuffs, basically what that is, uh, you have a running back, a starting running back, and sometimes people will draft their backups as their, quote, handcuff in case something happens to the starter. Are you a handcuff guy? Depends. Again, so much depends on the parameters of your league. It's um, depends who the running back is, what kind of production I'm going to expect from the backup. How deep is my the rest of my roster? Do I even need handcuffs? So, so many different things that go into it. But generally speaking, if I have a stud, I will – I wouldn't say I'll go out of my way to handcuff, but I will make some small concessions that I wouldn't do, like maybe a round or two earlier, maybe a few more dollars, like in my league of record, than what I would have. But I'm not going to just completely mortgage the rest of my team to get Tony Pollard if I have Zeke. I'm not taking him in the fifth round. I'm not giving him 35 bucks. If somebody else wants to and then Zeke goes down, bravo, bravo. But otherwise, you just had 35 bucks sitting on, on your bench for all but maybe one or two games. 100%. For me, some guys are worth it. Some guys aren't. Uh, to be worth drafting uh, as a handcuff, I think you need a team that relies mostly on one back. And the handcuff has to be talented, right? I, I'm not going to take any handcuff just because, you know, if the, if the guy's not good, right? Well, he, he, I don't care what kind of workload he gets. He's not going to be good. Uh, and you want someone that's going to have a similar role to the starter. So, for example, Antonio Gibson, I'm going to mention here in a minute, J.D. McKissick isn't his handcuff. So they have different roles, right? J.D. McKissick is catching the ball. Very different. Antonio Gibson is running the ball. And some teams, they have two running backs that are both potential RB1s or RB2s. So like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt for the Browns. And if one of them goes down, Dearness Johnson, I feel like steps right in as an RB1 or RB2. So that's a little different because in order to get both of them, and you could do it if you wanted to, but you know, you're taking Nick Chubb in the first or second round, you're going to have to get Hunt. I mean, I don't know where he's got. I think he's going a little lower than, than in past drafts. Um, it's a lot to um, put into one team's backfield. I'm not down for that. I just want no. either or. Same with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, yeah. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, right? Um, outside of that, I'm not sure too many teams, at least off the top of my head, have two guys, I think, could have two RB1s, right. RB2. That's it. That's um, the thing. That That's a, the, their anomalies, Cleveland and Denver. They both, both have backs that, especially Cleveland, that would start on pretty much – many teams in the league the only reason hunts even there was because of his shenanigans 
he was a freaking monster on the Chiefs. So, so that's that's not really even a true handcuff because you're you're drafting those guys completely. You're not even thinking that it, th- those two fellas could each go in the top four rounds. Right. I mean, what two so, years ago? I'm pretty sure Hunt Hunt ended up edging Chubb at the end of the season. As a matter of fact, I think we talked about this last year. Like eight of the last ten games, Hunt outscored Chubb. Yeah, Hunt. I want to say was like RB ten. One year, I can't. Yeah, it was crazy. It was because he was a holdout in my league, and the guy that had him for a great deal ended up had to pay him an arm and a leg to keep him. So I'm going to go through and list some guys. And let let me me ask you this: Give me a brief, just extremely basic parameter of the league that we're basing this on. Okay, twelve team half point PPR. That's normally where my head goes. That's my league of record, and I think it's probably one of the more popular yeah. setups out there. And I got – it was 2020. Nick Chubb was actually ninth, and Kareem Hunt was 10th. Okay. Gotcha. And that's that's wild. Um, anyway. But yeah, so that's I, there. That's I, not like Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, where you have a true starter and a guy that basically plays every fourth series and then will play a lot when Cook inevitably gets hurt. So I'm going to give you – I'm just going to list off random guys. I have like maybe eight groups here, something like that. And you just, yes or no, is this a handcuff you want? You mentioned uh, Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. Are you, are you well, got Pollard as a yes, handcuff? because you right. and I, we, we think Pollard's better. Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. 100%. That might be the number one. Have that to. might be, yes. I mean, Madison gets 25-plus carries, or touches at least, yeah. every game cooks out, and, and he does well with it. All right, how about uh, Saquon Barkley and Matt Breida? No. It's a tough one. Now, Breed is going to go so late, you might be able to get him with one of your last-round picks if you take Barkley. So, you know. The, the problem there is when Barkley goes out, they no longer have a, a one-guy backfield. One, one, one backfield. They, they, they'll they throw combinations of two or three guys. I, I don't trust that Breed will Slightly. be the guy to Slightly. necessarily take it all. Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson. Sonny Michelle's going. I'll say yes. Okay. Um, how about this one? Derrick Henry and Hassan Haskins, rookie nope. from Michigan. Okay. And, and now, because that's what they did last year when Henry went out. They didn't go to just one guy. It wasn't just Deontay Foreman. Dontrell Hilliard was sprinkled in there, um, and he's still in the mix. All right. But my problem is he's up. just a rookie. He, he, okay. He's done nothing yet. Who? What was the guy a couple years ago? I drafted him, uh, well, like three years ago. Oh. Um, I love Darrington Evans. Yes, did nothing, nothing. When yeah. he got a chance to play, he was terrible, and then he got hurt, missed pretty much a whole season. So I can't trust State, him. What's that? Uh, didn't he go to Appalachia State? Uh, I believe he did, yeah. So I just can't trust a rookie that's drafted that far down to be a legit handcuff because you're right. He might he might just get a few because one of them still there. Foreman's going. But um, Hilliard's still there, I believe. Yeah, he's still there. So – I mean, maybe he he could be the handcuff. Who knows? All right, I got th- uh, three more: David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert. I'd say no, just because that offense is so pathetic. Anyway, you, I know he had a couple man. good. I games. like Khalil Herbert. He looked good, man. He looked good. I know he had a couple good games, but with Justin Fields officially uh, behind center now, I don't trust I don't... any offensive player on that team. All right, let's uh, hit close to home for you here: J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards. Yeah, because, again, that's an interesting situation because those guys are both going to play anyway. 
So he's a he's sort of a handcuff slash one B to start with. Last one, and I think this is the big one, Antonio. And we're going rookie here, another rookie, Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson. Yeah, I, I hate that whole situation. Me too. I'll, I'll say yes, but I, I that's one. He again, he's a rookie, but I'm not way overspending for that. That's for sure. If I if he just sort of falls in my lap, I'd go for it. But I'm I'm definitely not overspending. But I I just don't get that whole thing. That's a very odd situation. It just angers me. The whole Gibson thing. The, the dude should be a top five, six, seven back in the league. He's underutilized. He gets no respect there. I don't – every time the guy plays, you never know if he's going to score. He averages like 4.9 a carry. I don't I don't know what else he has to do to get any respect from them. All right. Well, I've got something to make you feel a little better, okay? If you wanted to handcuff Brian Robinson right now on Fantasy Pros ADP and, um, and half-point scoring, they uh, – half-point PPR. They do, a, they do a conglomerate. They have a couple of different um, – like they have Yahoo – Fan tracks, FFC, and Sleeper, they all combine for their ADPs. And Brian Robinson right now is going as RB65, pick 212. Mm-hmm. That is cheap enough. I think even you can get over your rookie stigma and take him to be. Oh, your- well, no doubt. But my thing is, I say my league of record, I have no chance at him. The guy that has him on his team has him for a long term contract. Um, I think it's actually running out. But what I would do then is the reverse handcuff where you go out of your way, go around earlier to screw over the guy in your league that has this player just to be a D-I-C-K, just to piss him off. And if that guy goes down, now you've got the starter. Um, That's not how I would play it. However, if you are in a league like yours where there are contracts, so it's more of a keeper slash dynasty type deal, then then it's a little different because, you know, Antonio Gibson getting close to the end of his contract and, if Brian Robinson plays decent this year, they might say, hey, you know what? Let's make Brian Robinson the starter. So a little different when we're talking dynasty and stuff. Um, but let's let's hop into the bowl predictions. You ready? Let's go for it, big boy. We'll alternate like we normally do. I'll go first. And my first bowl prediction, Saquon Barkley will be a top three fantasy running back. Now, keep in mind, these are bold predictions. These aren't set in stone what we think is going to happen, um, but something that we uh, we can back up. We can back this up. Now, right now, he's currently being drafted as an RB13, and he's he's done this before. He's finished as a top three running back before. As a rookie in 2018, he burst on the scene, hit 1,300 rushing yards, 11 rushing touchdowns, and 91 catches for more than 700 yards and four more touchdowns. Uh, he was RB2, only two points behind Todd Gurley. Uh, so he could have come out as a rookie, been RB1. Then injuries happened. Over the next three years, he missed a total of 21 games, and he has not played a full season since his rookie year. Now, the boldest part of my prediction is probably Barkley being able to stay healthy for a full season because he's going to need to do that in order to finish top three. Um, in 2019, uh, even missing three games, he was still RB10. So he was able to do some good things in 2019. 2020, only played two games, um, and he finished uh, as RB32 last year in half-point PPR right behind Devontae Freeman, and he was 35th in points per game. So that's this is not great, not great stuff. But if Barkley wasn't an RB2 as a rookie, he'd be nowhere near RB13 right now. People are holding on to that talent that they saw, me included with this, with this prediction. Uh, but I'm also backing on the Giants' new head coach, Brian Dable. 
As a Bills offensive coordinator, he's very innovative. Uh, his play calling, and he turned the Bills into one of the best offenses in the NFL. I mean, they were nothing really um, for a long time. I don't want to say they were laughing stock, but um, they weren't competing for any division titles for a while. Um, and I know none of his Dables running backs dominated the stat sheets, but he's never had anyone as talented as Saquon Barkley. I mean, Devin Singletary is decent. Zach Moss is, I don't know. He had Shady at the end of his career. He had Frank Gore at the end of his career. Um, but during his tenure, his running backs have never had less than 290 carries or less than 70 targets. And again, no, run, no single running back dominated the touches in any of those seasons. But the Giants' depth chart has Matt Breida behind Saquon Barkley. And that's it. You haven't heard of anybody else behind Matt Breida. And some people, you know, may have not even heard of Matt Breida. Breida only has 85 carries and 16 catches over the last two years. And last year, he was in Buffalo with Dable. Dable knows he has what he has in his running back room. And he only has Barkley. We also know that Daniel Jones isn't Josh Allen. The Giants can't rely on him to carry the team. So you know who can carry the team? Mr. Barkley. Let's go RB3. So here's what I'll say about your bold prediction is that I don't think it's terribly bold. That was my worry when I made, I first made a top five and I was like, ah, that's not bold enough. Let's go top three. So I'll give it a little bonus because the injury history, but because still fairly recently, he was able to just light it up. It's, I'm with you. He's most, it is bold. He's most likely not going to do that because there's no way he won't miss games. But in your world of bold predictions, this one is not as bold as others. How's that sound? That's fair. fairly That's bold, but not as bold as some you've come up with in the past. Uh, that 2019 season to me was the most impressive. Okay. He only missed three full games, but he missed bits and pieces of so many. That's the one where he like blew his ankle apart. They thought he tore his ACL. He came back in the game, and about five plays later, he blew his ankle apart. And then he came back and played on that monstrosity thing where it looked like there was a baseball off the side of his ankle, and he just played through it the rest of the year and still was able to put up top ten stats. That, to me, is a football player. Since then, falling off the map, just falling apart. That offense doesn't help the singular most underachieving offense in the league. When you look at the firepower, the talent, it's is it the coaching is it Daniel Jones is it he who shall not be named what is it it was just ugly as ugly can be just so underachieving so underperforming and when you're the bell cow that's obviously going to run down straight through you there's there's little you can do when your offense is one of the weakest ball moving scoring units in the league that said if he can stay healthy, like you said, that's the bigger bold prediction. You're right. Right. And he stay on the freaking field. You and I discussed before he ever got hurt for anybody out there wondering, we had this conversation like 2018, how frightened we were. If there was one guy in the league, we were scared was going to get hurt. Who was it? Barkley. Barkley because his size mixed with that speed and agility man, something sooner or later is going to go because the human body is just not made to be able to withstand those kind of forces. My case in point to you for that was David Boston. There was a time in the NFL, like 2000, 2001, something in there, the dude was like a man amongst boys. Then he decides bodybuilding is more important. Next thing you got a guy running 428 who's 280 pounds and his knees just blew to shreds. So Barkley top three, it's a mildly bold. I think it could happen. I don't think it will. 
I'd like to see him because you and I, we both root for the guy. For sure. And with the Saquon thing, he is 5'11". They have him listed at 233. And he's, he's not Barry Sanders, but he's making Barry Sanders-like cuts where you're going full speed and then you right. just stop and yep. change directions. Yep. It's and not the, Derek the Henry. body just right. can't. They, they can't do that. Um, and those of you listening and, and heard Kevin say, he, how sh- <laughs> he who shall not well, You're not going to say it, are you? I have to. Please because don't. They don't know, Can you just give initials or give the position or something? All right. Don't jinx this whole thing. Over the years, Kevin and I have grown a uh, distrust and a dislike for a certain fantasy tight end whose uh, initials are double E. And that is the he who shall not be named. We don't even say his name to each other anymore, as silly as that sounds. But that's that's what that's who Kevin was referring to. He is a he is like he's that which nightmares are made of. He he has cost me so much sleep, so, money, time, effort. I mean, hope. This okay. he's caused me so much despair. In in an effort to keep you from crying on air, Kevin, how about we jump to your first bowl prediction? Okay, we can we can do that. My first one actually could involve he who shall not be named. But nonetheless, I am picking Travis, who I like to call Travis Etienne because I don't like saying ETN, Bobby, will lead the NFL in receptions for running backs. I've got a few reasons why. Your buddy, Doug Peterson, he, he I'm not going to say he's one of these guys that loves throwing throwing, but he, he makes it happen. Uh, let's see here. In 2016, Sproles had 52 catches. Various other guys had a few running backs. 2017 was really spread out all over the place. It was quite odd because that's that's the Super Bowl year, correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, 2018, Smallwood, uh, Corey Clement, Sproles had 65 combined. 2019, Sanders, Scott, and Howard had 84. 2020, Sanders, Scott, 53. I think they're going to throw a lot. He is a true weapon. They didn't draft him in the first round for nothing. His last two seasons at Clemson, he had 36 for 432, 48 for 588. The Duke can catch. He can run every route. He's got a year of rest. Uh, And Mr. James Robinson is going to definitely start the season on the pup. They've all but just spelled that out for us. Could it be that he goes in and plays so well that they need him? I just read today that they came out and said they want the – they're hoping their offense can run through Robinson. Well, that's right. great, but if Ann goes out there and just tears it up for six weeks, yeah, they might change their tune a little bit. Um, I've seen I, – I did a, a, just an average of a few different sites projections, projections for them. They have him at 54, 429, and three TDs. That puts him at about – I think it's like six or seven for running back receptions from last year. I mean, you up that 20, you're at 74. That's where Harris was. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the biggest uh, problem with your prediction. Is it necessarily ETN and what he's doing and the Jaguars are doing? Also, that receiving core isn't really a whole lot to write home about from Jaguars, right? They got, you know, they need a solid receiver. Yeah. They need all the help they can get is what I'm trying to say. They got Kirk, um, Zay Jones, he who shall not be named. Right. Uh, Char- are- Wait, is Chark's not – is Chark still there? No, no Chark's going. No. He's, he's in, in Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. So the tat the biggest issue is going to be 
not ETN the Jaguars, but the other running backs in the league. Because like you mentioned, Najee Harris had 74, most right. of any running backs last year. Austin Eckler had 70, Leonard Fournette had 69. So there are definitely some running backs that catch a lot of balls. That's going to be his biggest issue, I think. Absolutely. So that's why it's a bowl. When I, I, I think there's a chance it could happen. If it does, it won't surprise me. But obviously, if he ends up 15th in running back reception, that's, that won't re, uh, surprise me either. Uh, either way, I think he's going to be a very vital part of that offense now. I think Peterson will use him right. I think the whole Urban Meyer thing, even if he'd have gotten to play, it still would have just been a nightmare. He would have used him wrong like he did everybody else. And we also mentioned, this is just a little thing, but he and Mr. Trevor Lawrence played college together at Clemson. So that they got that little rapport already. That's a guy he's going to trust as soon as he's on the field. You know, the little things like that can add up to an extra reception here, two extra there. And next thing you know, we're at 74. It's interesting you chose ETN because you have such, you don't have an affinity for rookie running backs. And it's essentially, true. as far as NFL seasons go, this is kind of ETN's rookie year because he, it is. he got hurt in the preseason last year. So interesting yeah. you went that yeah. route. I just have more trust. I have more trust from him because he's a high draft pick. It's not just that it's a rookie. Like, like, like some of these guys we were talking about earlier, it's that they're rookies who were drafted in like the fifth round or later. They're not exactly uh, – they're even their own coaches and GMs are feelings. They're, they're the most stellar, stellar of players. So, at the end, first round, you know, they're, they're expecting a lot, and I, I hope he shows it. You're really sticking with Etienne. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm proud of you. I'm, I will really... not call him the other word. All right. Uh, you good there? I like it. Yeah, I'm going. Let's move on, big boy. What's your number two? I'm I'm definitely higher on ETN this year than I was last year. Where um, would you take him? Um, I don't have my, I don't have my rankings up in front of me right now. Um, but after I get done my next bowl prediction, I'll look it up. I'll let you know. Okay, you do that. All right, number two for me, Derek Carr, quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders, will lead the NFL in touchdown passes this season. Um, he is currently quarterback fourteen. Um, and he finished last year with the 13th most passing touchdowns. Let's work backwards from 2020. Okay. And we're going to, it's going to go from 2020 to 2014, his rookie year, we're going backwards. He finished 10th in passing touchdowns, 20th, 22nd, 13th, 8th in 2015, 2016, and 14th in 2014. He's never thrown more than 28 touchdowns in a season. Um, the NFL lead in touchdown passes thrown since he's been in the league has never been less than 34. I understand 28 to 34 is only six, but I don't think anyone believes that in today's NFL with guys like Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow, 34 touchdowns, that's not going to do it. It's definitely going to have to be close to, if not 40 or more. Last year, Vegas receiver Hunter Renfro led the team with nine receiving touchdowns. Next in line on the team, Brian Edwards and Foster Moreau were tied with three. Darren Waller only had two. Granted, he only played in 11 games, but the season before, Darren Waller had nine scores. Enter Devontae Adams and his 29 touchdowns over the last two seasons, as well as having five seasons with double-digit scores. Enter Josh McDaniels, whose offense had a running back lead the Patriots in receiving touchdowns two years ago, Granted, it was only three by Rex Burkhead, but uh, running back also led the Patriots uh, in receiving touchdowns in 2018. 
He's never been afraid to throw to his running backs. McDaniels hasn't when he's been calling the plays for the for the Pats. James White alone has had a season with four receiving scores, two seasons seasons with five, and he had one season with seven touchdown grabs. On top of that, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Brandon Bolden, and Amir Abdullah, all running backs for the Raiders, can all catch the football fairly well. Now, let's just say we're just going to throw out some numbers here. Let's say for funsies, Devontae Adams gets 10 scores. Waller gets eight, Renfro gets seven, and the running backs as a whole get five. Well, there's 30 touchdowns right there. And I don't think it's hard to imagine those numbers are not only attainable, but could be surpassed. Add to that a couple touchdowns coming from other pass catchers like Demarcus Robinson, Keelan Cole, that dude Foster Moreau caught three last year. And we're pushing 40 touchdowns right there, man. Uh, and I think that could put Derek Heat, or I'm sorry, Derek Carr on top of the heap for the first time in his career. Let me ask you this. Please. And just like a holistic, natural setting of you having conversations with people, how often do you use the term funsies? More often than I should as a 37-year-old grown man. Okay, fair enough. I, I like it. I, I teach elementary school, though, so a lot That's of true. times... I might start using that term, and I'll give you full credit, of course. Okay. But <laughs> just for funsies, I'd like to throw in that he has the potential to have six games that are going to be 52 to 49 shootouts. That could just add a couple more here and there. I, I, but, I, but that's I do think also this is bold because it's Derek Carr. The way, you des- right. the way you describe it, I don't find it as bold because all that stuff makes a lot of sense. It's like yeah. the thing, uh, my thing with Eddie Endo, ETN. He'll always be Eddie to me. But it's not necessarily him. It's what about all the other guys that do this every year? He's got, he's got three. There, there's potential. He could come in fourth in his own division. <laughs> touchdowns. I, I don't think Russell Wilson's throwing for 30-plus touchdowns. Why? Because they, they're going to lean on that running game. And Russell Wilson – Previously in his career, I mean, he, he has a 40-touchdown season under his belt, but I'm not sure he's really known for throwing touchdown passes. He's known for being a great quarterback and very okay. efficient. Well, this is um, a bold, bold I prediction. Think, I think they're leaning on the run in um, Denver, and rightfully so, because those running backs are studs. Oh, yeah, they're beasts. So, okay, so so you think you, you would put money on right now that Derek Carr will, if they both play full 17 games, will have, throw more TD passes than Russell Wilson. If so I this had isn't even the bold part of it. You think that that will Correct. happen? I do, yes. Okay. Well, so there's a chance then, even in that line of thought, that he could be third in the league and – or third in his own division and still third in the league, Derek Carr, potentially, because there's two guys in there that have both far surpassed 28 TD passes. Well, actually, I guess Herbert didn't by far. What did he have last year? Mid-30s? High-30s? And by, by the way, Russell Wilson – now, granted, he's got 20 touchdown passes in a season, 21 in a season, 25. But he's got one, two, three, four. He's got five seasons of 31 or more touchdown passes. Okay. One with 40. So well, better than a I heavily, thought. heavily, and again, though, a heavy, heavy run yes. team. Remember, I want, I want, like everyone else, I want to let Russ cook. I'm, I'm anxious to see what they'll do here. I know they've got the running back firepower. They have, might have the best, second best one-two punch in the league. But I think they're going to let him throw a little more than you think. I, I think this could work. I think it's part of the reason he was cool with the whole deal, the whole trade. 
was I'm going to finally get a chance to open up the offense and not just this either just running a, a, a streak down the field or a dump off, which is all Pete Carroll ever let right. him do. But I so like it. Were- this is this is a this would be one of the this is a bold prediction. It's not likely, but I, I could see a path to it. There we go. That's what we're all about. That's what we're doing here, man. We're 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 saying things that at from the outside looking in. I don't know, but then hey, we got some stats. We got some some stats and narratives to back it up. And uh, as of right now, you want your bell rung? I got ETN at nineteen overall. My running back. I'm sorry, not overall, back, but yeah. nineteen running back. So where do you have James Robinson then? Um, he's down simply because I'm not sure when he's going to be back. So. Uh, he's at 43 right now for me. But again, if I find out he's going to be back week two or week three, that's obviously going to bump him up and potentially bump ETN down. And this is a fluid thing. I change my rankings, not daily, but weekly for sure. You know, I hear a certain thing here, seeing up, come across some stats while we're doing research for the show, and that'll help me adjust. But as of right now, that's where we sit. Well, and not to mention, as we get farther closer to the fantasy world, to the start of the NFL season, uh, for those listening, we're, we're going to do a fantasy show about drafting here eventually. But Bobby and I do well in a lot of leagues because we don't just draft for overall points through the season. We both go, correct me if I'm wrong, with the philosophy, you make it through the season, you draft for the playoffs. So there's one of those guys. He's going to go lower than expected, but boy, he, his, so his overall rank will be low at the end of the year. But if he's getting you 23 points a week come weeks you know, 15, 16, 17, all of a sudden you look like a genius. And it's hard. You can't look that far ahead. It, it, every draft's different. So if I have a draft and I'm not real confident on how it's gone out taken so far, I don't, I don't think past, you know, week two or three right. because I can't right. in that particular league. Now, if I'm, if I've got a strong, you know, if, if I'm eight, nine rounds in and I feel real good about my team, then yeah, I can look down the road a little bit. So uh, uh, it's, Every draft is different. That's yeah, the number one. The league, league draft draft. In my league, you have to yeah. look to the future because it's 16 teams, 17 roster spots. So it's what, what is it end up like 272 slots or some, some 252, some kind of crazy. Now what's this? What's 16 times 17, Bobby? This is I'm a, I teach PE. That doesn't mean you can't count. Does it? Obviously you can't. Well, I can count, but this is a, what is it? 16 times 272. What? I was right the first time. Nice. 272 you. roster spots and very little money to work with. So you have to think about the future. I'm just saying that say somebody like, like him, I might bump him up a full round simply because I'd love to have him around for the playoffs knowing full well, since he's definitely missing six games, he's not going to be a top 35 running back because he's not going to have enough games. That's all. Okay. All right, well, let's hear your bold prediction, numero dos. Okay, so this is in talking with my good buddy, Jason Candler, unfortunately a diehard Steelers fan. He wore a Steelers shirt to one of my tennis clinics the other day, and I, I tried to kick him out of the place, but I let him stay. It did make me want to vomit a little bit. But nonetheless, Mr. Candler talked me into this one. That Again, bold prediction here, bold that the Jacksonville Jaguars will squeak into the playoffs as the number seven seed. Bold. Bold. Weak division. They get to play Houston twice. Tennessee, who I think is going to just fall off the table this year, to be honest with you. I don't even think they'll have a winning record. 
and Indy, who I believe we both, I think, believe will win that division probably fairly easily. You would think. But yeah, you never know. Never know. Uh, they have the seventh easiest schedule. Again, that's all fluid. But as of now, they have the seventh easiest schedule in the league. Since they, 2002, there's only been, this is just something extra, only two seasons in the NFL where a team did not, no team went from worst to first in their division. Only two seasons has that happened since 2002. And I don't have the teams offhand, but it was uh, 2014 and 19. They're the only two. I mean, I don't have all the teams that did do it, but only twice. So not saying they're winning the division, but there's that opportunity that they could really turn it around. Their offense ranked only 27th last year. Defense was 20th. They, But they were the picture of dysfunction, and that started at the top. They had no chance. You could have put an all-pro lineup together, and they would have had no chance because maybe the most mismanaged half a season in NFL history. I mean, it was – a comedy of errors. It was like the circus. It was ridiculous. Um, so since then, they've signed uh, He Who Shall Not Be Named, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk to one of the more ridiculous contracts we've ever come across, Foye Oliakum. And he, did you know that he led the NFL yes. in tackles last year with Atlanta? Yes. They got, uh, they brought in Scherf. They got Darius Williams from the Rams. They're bringing in people pretty much lost. I think, nothing. I think Scherf's a great signing. Oh, yeah. Pretty much lost nothing. Then you get Trayvon Walker, Devon Lude, Luke Fortner, or Devon Lloyd, Luke Fortner, Chad Mumaw. I think right now that in two to three years, this team could be frightening. But there is a chance with Mr. Doug Peterson, who actually has, you know, a winning pedigree, a uh, winning record, 42-37-1 in his five years, 2017 Super Bowl champs. They said he's completely changed the whole atmosphere of the building. I think these guys could rally around, might have a rough start to the season, but be one of those teams that, man, squeaks in at 9-8, and eight, squeaks in at 10-7. Ten, ten if they're in the NFC – this might not even be a Super Bowl prediction. The AFC, that's another story. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to do because they, they've got some firepower, dude. And I also look offensive line. Most sites have their offensive line overall ranked between about 16 and 20. Not stellar, but not bottom of the barrel either. What do you think, my friend? Well, I definitely think it's bold. Um, remind me who had the first overall pick this year's draft. Yeah, Mr. Trayvon Walker. He's, he's going to be big time hit or miss, isn't he? Yeah. And it was your Jaguar. Who had the who had the first overall pick the year before? I'm pretty sure it was the Jags. Yeah, pretty sure you're right. Um, but yes, the Urban Meyer was the worst thing that could happen to any sport team. I wouldn't want Urban Meyer coaching my son's junior league football game. And my son doesn't even play junior league football. But if he yeah, did, he was a nightmare. I, I, don't I, I don't. How could you be. I don't know. I guess it's the whole thing. He's treating grown men like they're still college kids. I, I don't, and that obviously isn't going to work. But what what was like everything you hear coming out of that building is just like, what on earth was this guy thinking? Yeah. So obviously it's bold. Um, I, I'm not putting money on it. So I'll put money on my Derek Carr over Russell Wilson bet. I would not put money on the Jags. Man, even finishing second in the division would be tough for me to put money on. Um, but the one thing I'll tell you is that 
Obviously, Urban Meyer stifling. I don't like the Jaguars receiving core. I think ETN will help, obviously. Nobody scares me on the outside. Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones. Honestly, I, I kind of like LaVisca Chenault. I'm, we're obviously you hear good words about just about everybody, but um, you know, he can be a weapon if Doug Peterson can unlock coming out of college. Everyone was like, Holy cow, I can't believe the Jaguars got Chenault. This is going to be great. It never materialized. But one thing that I think will help is that from week two until week 17, <laughs> okay. Trevor Lawrence had zero or one passing touchdowns in every single game week one trevor lawrence had three touchdown passes okay he didn't have two touchdown passes until week 17 uh, whenever the Jaguars stunned the colts and knock them out of the playoffs that's absurd i don't know how an nfl quarterback goes one one zero one 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 zero 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 i do urban meyer was the head coach <laughs> i mean it's that's, why. that's not gonna happen again it's not so they lost they lost to Miami by three points. Trevor Lawrence had one passing touchdown. They lost to the Bengals by three points, and he had zero passing touchdowns. I mean, you give this, you give Trevor Lawrence an extra five or six passes, touchdown throw. So we're talking instead of having 12 on the season, he has, I don't know, 17, 18. You could turn four of these losses into wins yeah. probably. So that's an it's interesting. It's they were competitive in a lot of games. They didn't just get blown out every week. And, and I look back again on Doug Peterson. He won a Super Bowl with with uh, Nick Foles. He sure did. I mean, you know that whole lineup from them because you're an Eagles guy. But it wasn't really chock full of superstars. That team. They just he had a guy that guys rallied around. They all played their roles. O line and D Super Bowl. And that's what they're trying to build there. You know, they go out and get Sheriff. I think that's probably their best offseason signing. Build up that O-line, keep Lawrence yeah. up. Yeah, and so, you know how I think, I think Doug Peterson may be, you know, the Stephen Hawking of the NFL, how how well, I used I, to think he was a fool, but it turned out that he's likely the biggest genius in the league. And now mm -hmm. he's, he saw what was happening in Philly, and he's like, I got to find a way to get out of here. And, boy, did he – he's like a puppet master to get all that. And now he sees this. I really think this wasn't like him just jumping into the first opportunity because he's had others. I right. think he sees like, man, I've really got something I can work with here. So the bold part of this is this year. But I think after that, they're going to own this division for the next maybe six, seven years. And when you're, a, when you're a quarterback guy like Peterson is and you have a chance to work with Trevor Lawrence, who was the, you know, the golden child yep. from the time he was in high school all the way through college in the NFL, uh, you jump at that chance. Yeah, he lost more games last year than he had lost his entire life. So combined. I think by week, I think by week two. He yeah. Lost. yeah, combined. So there's nowhere to go up for this team. So bold, yes. But I think in the future, not so bold. All right, number three, three for me. We all have our guys, and I don't know why. But this next player is, for some reason, always been one of them. I've always been partial to him. Uh, but I think Jamison Crowder, who is currently being drafted in fantasy land as wide receiver 74, I think he's going to be a top 30 guy. If not, maybe pushing a wide receiver too. I don't – that's too much for me, but I think he's going to be a top 30 guy. The biggest issue for Crowder uh, making this happen, along with Barkley, is health. 
he's actually three years younger than Cole Beasley. I feel like Crowder has an old man feel to him, but he's younger than Beasley. The Bills, who obviously was a Bills former slot receiver, that job is now Crowder's. Uh, and Crowder's done it before. In 2019, he was the 30th fantasy wide receiver in PPR leagues. He did it with 78 catches, 833 yards, and six touchdowns. Last year, Beasley went 82 for 693, but he only had one score. Tight end for the Bills, Dawson Knox, had nine grabs last year uh, in the end zone, but it felt very Robert Tunyon-y for me. Uh, if we remember two years ago, I think it was with the Packers, Robert Tunyon had like 30 catches, but 11 of them were for touchdowns or yeah. something ridiculous. So I don't anticipate Dawson Knox doing that again. So those touchdowns are going to go somewhere. I mean, this is one of the highest scoring offenses in the league. Last year, Devontae Smith finished 30th with 153 points. If Crowder can go 80, which Beasley did last year, 800 yards, that's more than Beasley had, but six touchdowns, that's 150 points. And those numbers, I think, are easily attainable for Crowder, who, in my opinion, is more talented than Beasley. We brought this up briefly in a previous show. You prefer Beasley over Crowder. I don't. Um, Beasley had over 80 catches two years in a row. And Crowder over the last three years, he's been catching passes from Sam Darnold, <laughs> Luke Falk, Joe Flacco, yes. Zach Wilson, and Mike White. Josh Allen is a massive upgrade for Crowder and just what I think he'll need to push him into the top 30. And the best thing about it, he being drafted in the 16th round. So he's basically free in redraft leagues. So there's no point in not taking a gamble and grabbing him in the 14th, 15th round to make sure you got him. If he, cause he can do this. He's done it before. I think Crowder can do it again. Again, I'm, I'm a Crowder guy. I don't know why, uh, but he was a wide receiver one for the jets for, for a while coming out of the slot. It was, it was wild, but I, uh, I had him in a league that I want a title with uh, and I've Crowder helped me do it. So again, yeah, bold, bold. But a doable thing, uh, but still pretty bold. I think the biggest issue with it is too many mouths to feed. There's just so much there. You got Diggs, Davis, Crowder will start, I guess, in the slot. Then you, they brought in Tavon Austin, and they, from what I've read, they expect – I know we, you can say that, but from what I've read, they expect to use him. They're making specific packages to use the guy. Isaiah He's McKenzie, man, the few games McKenzie got to play last year and actually start, well, he looked amazing. Didn't he have like two, three touchdown games, at least one? I agree with you, but my thing is, well, then why did you even sign Crowder? If you liked McKenzie, you wouldn't have gone out to find someone else. Maybe. Maybe it's just too good of a deal to pass up. They had the room and just, I mean, the, the pieces on this thing. And then on top of it all, you got Dawson Knox and O.J. Howard, who they just brought in. This This, this team is just... Sick. You look at this offense top to bottom, it's sick. But my, my, I guess what I would say for Crowder to do this, I think Josh Allen has to, would truly have to be MVP, lead the league in, uh, in you know, receptions, lead the league in, uh, you know, yardage, lead the league in touchdowns to really be able to spread it around enough that all of them could put up the numbers to make it happen. I think he has the talent. I've got, I've got no doubt there because he's, like I said, he's done it before with, trash at quarterback can he stay on the field will he get enough volume to crack top 30 
Um, your boy Tavon Austin, the most catches he's had in the season is 58. And yeah. that year, he had 106 targets. Yeah. I mean, that's barely a 50% catch rate. Yeah, but I think a lot of them are just straight up post routes, just flying down the field and nobody hitting him. But no, I, I'm not saying they're bringing him in there to replace Diggs. That's what I'm saying. But they brought him there for purpose. And I've read a few things saying that they do intend to use him, but they are hoping that adds that little extra dynamic of just this playmaking little lunatic running around, running his 4 2 5, you know. Uh, so while, while, do, while looking this stuff up and doing this research for the show, I came across another one of those get your bell rung deals yeah. that I bet you don't know. In 2020, did you know that Cole Beasley was second team all pro? He wasn't even in the Pro Bowl. He was second team AP all pro. What did he have? Like, did he have 100 catches or something in the no. 90s? No, he was 82 catches. I'll, um, I mean, I'll let you know for sure. It was 82 catches, um, 800 and some yards, 82, 967, and four touchdowns. I have no, I, I have no idea. Uh, the wide receivers that year were Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Calvin Ridley, and Cole Beasley. And what, what team did he make? Second team, all pro. I thought like, I thought all pro, you only had two receivers on the first team, two receivers on the second team. There were first team, all pro. There were three, Adams, Diggs, and Hill. And then, oh, no, okay. and, and Hopkins. So they had four. Okay. Yeah, that, that does seem a little oh, no. weird. May, may, I think Hopkins was second team. Okay. Hopkins, Jefferson, and Beasley. I, 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 dude, I had, to, I had to, like, look it up four times. I didn't believe it. Well, you, you and I are not uh, firm supporters of much of that voting. It's just a bunch Correct. of – Correct, correct. Men with agendas, women, men, whoever with agendas, with hatreds, with just skewed thoughts made. about what it is. It uh, funny how uh, Beasley made it makes me dislike it even more. Yeah, that's really odd. I, yeah, you're right. That does uh, ring my bell. That's a little odd. All right, well, ring my bell with your third bold prediction. Here, my third one here, buddy, is not really backed by statistics, wins, losses, any of these type things. It's just a gut Excellent. feeling. Okay. Just a gut feeling. Following in the footsteps of our wonderful TOs, Randy Mosses, ABs, the true queen of the Divas, Mr. Tyreek Hill is going to become such a diva that sometime this season he will be suspended at least for one game for conduct detrimental to the team and super bold, okay, Actually, I called it. I wrote down my super, uber, mega, hypersonic, bold prediction. He will be traded or released by the Dolphins at some point this season. Well, okay. So, no stats. This is just a... Just a feeling. Um, has nothing to do with stats. Wow, now, the stats would be simply, okay, simply the fact that, or, or player stats... We got Waddle there, 140 targets last year. What what did we discuss? Hill had. He had Hill had 159 targets and 111 receptions for the Chiefs. Yet two weeks ago, he and his little agent Rosenhaus 
get on their precious little podcast of their own and just rip the Chiefs. He's underappreciated, underutilized. He's the greatest player on the team. How's he not used more? Like, really? 111 catches for 100 uh, on 159 targets. What? Seventh in the league in targets, but underutilized. And he has arguably the greatest quarterback of this generation throwing to him. What's he going to do now that he has to go to Tua, who, of course, he's right now describing as the greatest quarterback that ever lived. What is he going to do? We talked about it last week. What's he going to do if at week seven he's got 30 catches for 400 yards, two touchdowns? Not only that, but Waddle and Gusecki both have more of all of them. He is going to lose it. Rosenhaus will do his little thing in the media, try to spin all this isn't what we came here for. This isn't what we were promised. And he's going to lose it, and there's no way Tyreek can keep his mouth shut now that he's full-fledged diva and not say something either privately or publicly that's going to get him suspended by the team, not the league, by the team. I want to make that clear. Suspended by the Dolphins. So you think after giving up five draft picks for Tyreek Hill, he's going to be such a pain in the neck that they're going to be willing to trade him for probably pennies on the dollar. I doubt it would be pennies on the dollar because there will be some team that's in the playoff hunt that would pay a lot. Again, the trade part, that's part of my super, uber, mega, hypersonic, bold prediction, okay? Not just the bold. I think there's a very decent chance he'll get suspended for a game or two by the team. I don't actually really think he'll be trade or released, hence the super, uber, mega, hypersonic. But I'm telling you, it would not surprise me, just like Le'Veon Bell a few years ago. Now, that's a different situation. Bell was past his prime. Maybe the Jets didn't think so, but we knew it. Uh, Chase didn't. But that's besides the point, too. You can only do so much before teams get fed up. I mean, look what the Eagles do with T.O. He was in his prime, dominating. They they sent him packing. A.B. gets sent packing by various teams and then quits in the middle of games. He might not be that diva level, but I'm telling you, my bold prediction is he will get suspended for at least one game for conduct detrimental by the Dolphins themselves. So you think that 39-year-old Mike McDaniel will have the cojones to fire or basically fire trade away the centerpiece of his passing game that he just traded I wouldn't surprise me at all. Because he's already got Waddle, he's got Gasecki, and he's got four running backs that he's going to use endlessly. If he didn't like the way he was being used in KC, I can't imagine this dude is going to like the way he's used there. So uh, it sounds as almost like you think just because somebody gets paid a lot that therefore they can go in and completely ruin the locker room, be the cancer, and not even get a single one-game suspension to just maybe get your head screwed back on right and realize this is a team, not the Miami Tyreek Hills. Ideally, that's what would happen. But given the landscape of professional sports, doesn't always work out that way. No, it doesn't. But I think he's going to be such a diva, they're going to not have a choice. He's going to uh, say or do something that they will, the press will almost force his hand to suspend the guy for a game. I don't think he's going to be trade or released. You, you seem to be forgetting this is our bold prediction. Correct. No. Oh, yeah. That was my super uber mega hypersonic bold prediction. 
That means I think there's about a one and a million chance that it's going to happen. But if it does, I'm going to look like a freaking genius. But the suspension for a game just for con- conduct detrimental, I can definitely see that happening. Not saying it will. It's a bold prediction. Oh, for sure. But it won't surprise y'all because the writing is on the wall the way this dude is talking and acting now. And when you got Rosenhaus as your agent, well, now you've got a guy who's not only fully behind you, but encouraging you to act like a fool. And then he'll spin it whatever way he can. It could get ugly. Do you at least agree that this whole situation could get a little dicey in my Oh, opinion? 100%. Because, because I agree wholeheartedly with you in the fact that he is, if he didn't like the way he was being used in Kansas City, he is definitely not going to like his role nope. in Miami. Not going to like blocking. And he's certainly not Debo, so we can't use him in that. And I'm pretty sure I could go back and look that you've even said you believe Waddle, fantasy-wise, will finish ahead of Tyreek. I currently have Waddle at 15, Tyreek at 16. Well, so you think he'll finish ahead. Did they pay Tyreek all that money to be the second best receiver on the team? Well, did they or didn't they? We're talking fantasy. So that's a yeah, but bit. fantasy numbers. All, all Tyreek Hill cares about is numbers. He doesn't give a crap if he wins. Correct. He just cares about numbers. How will he handle, a, like AB couldn't handle either, another receiver on his own team outperforming him stat wise? He is going to lose it. You may be on to something. Lose it, and he cannot keep his mouth shut, and he's proven that the last month. He got his way, and he's still running his freaking mouth. And you said it, the Miami whole thing. You you outlined their whole offensive right. strategy. What, last week last or two week. weeks? Last yep, week. Last week. I think it was last week. I don't remember Tyreek fitting into it real well. I agree. This is this, – this will be fun. <laughs> it would be so all oh gone. You and I, oh, we could do like a whole episode on it. It's going to be glorious. I, I, I almost like hope it happens just because – the way he's been acting, I, I'm almost hoping as, and I really like Waddle. I Me think too. he's got a big future. He had a great year. Started yeah. slow, but man, he came alive. Oh, yeah. All right. My fourth and final bold prediction Travis Kelsey will finish outside of the top six tight ends. I originally had a top eight, but I couldn't even convince myself that was going to happen. Um, <laughs> Unless he breaks his leg. <laughs> I, had, I had to move to six. Um, now this, this has happened, but only once before in his career, uh, and over the past six years, he hasn't even been lower than second. So I'd say this is fairly bold. Um, and it's a tough one to swallow, but I think we have just enough tight ends. And I think Kansas city's offense will be hurting just enough to make it happen. Um, first for the other tight ends, we got your boy, Mark Andrews. We got Dalton Schultz, George Kittle. Zach Ertz, Gronk, and Kyle Pitts, along with Kelsey, were all top seven tight ends last year. All of them, in my opinion, can finish in a similar place. And if you add in a healthy TJ Hawkinson and Darren Waller, we now have nine guys capable to be a top six tight end. Um, Hawkinson and Waller both were top seven at points per game, not obviously not counting injuries. Right. Now, as far as Kansas City's offense, I've said several times on this show, I don't have a lot of faith and the Chiefs being the offense they once were without the cheetah, Tyreek Hill, who we were just talking about for 10 minutes. Um, His game-breaking ability cleared up a ton of space for Kelsey underneath, and that's 
just not something that's going to happen now. Defenses aren't going to give MVS, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Sky Moore the attention they had to give Hill. Keep in mind, Kelsey's going to be 33 when the season starts. Last year, he dominated in targets. He dominated in routes run, catches, touchdowns, even yards after the catch. But he was 17th in target separation and 27th in contested catch rate. Now bring those two stats up because I think he's going to have an even more difficult time getting open. Defenses aren't going to be able to, or defenses are going to be able to focus on him. The Chiefs only play five teams outside the top 20 in terms of fantasy points against tight ends from last year. Now, I don't, I don't love that because defenses change every year, but the, the, he's not going to have the easiest defenses to go against. The Broncos and Raiders, who they play twice, were both top 12 against the tight end last year. Now, is it likely Kelsey finishes outside the top six? Of course not. Um, if it were, this would be a bold prediction. But as it stands right now, I think we definitely have a good shot at Kelsey not being a top six fantasy tight end. A good shot. Aren't these bold predictions? Yeah. Isn't that bold? If I say there's a good shot, he doesn't make it? Okay, I thought they're bold predictions because there wasn't a real good shot of these things happen. Do you think there's a bold prediction? Do you think the war or do you think there's a, a good chance? Do you think the world thinks there's a good chance? Who does? I do. Or you? Do you think Kelsey is going to finish outside the top six? No, not unless like he loses an arm or you know something like that. I could see it strictly volume only. One problem you and I have when we. Uh, defend our positions on things is we're wishy-washy sometimes when somebody leaves a team we think well this other guy's screwed now because he's going to get double covered they'll focus on him other times we go the opposite way we say well with that guy going now this guy's just going to get even more targets because he's the 100 percent focal point it's not us it's everybody and it depends on the well, guy no, i know us anybody we all we all you wishy-washy picking how you're going to defend it but it depends on the situation and sometimes it's this sometimes it's that the volume alone, I can't imagine. If he plays 17 games, even 16 games, 15 games, I can't imagine him not being top eight. It's the exact opposite of some of these other positions that we're talking where there are so many other people. You could have a great season like the quarterbacks, like Carr, have a great season and still end up seventh in the league. This guy can have a mediocre season and he's still going to end up seventh. So not, say- I know you listed those guys, right. but if one or two of them, like say Waller, miss a few games or isn't catching touchdowns then then again he's still top eight it's just it's really it's bold it's very bold that's the whole point of this it's just it's it's really hard hard for me to see that happening barring injury obviously that happens anybody's not going to be top eight in their position we we both agree kelsey is the best pass catcher for the chiefs correct yes yes okay so i went to a small school and college and played defensive back my sophomore year we ran a ton of nickel uh, our linebackers weren't real strong and so they they had me I was a safety at the time they they made me nickel back so we played nickel almost exclusively and what we would do is we'd find the best receiver on the opposing team and my goal or my job was to play trail man so basically all I had to do wherever the the receiver went I followed and on the snap of the ball I'd bump them off the line, you know, disrupt the route. And then I would just basically play tag with him. I'd let him go. And then I followed trail man. 
And we were able to do that because our defense was pretty good, uh, but that eliminated their best receiver. And not that the NFL is going to have, you know, yeah, that one guy follow Kelsey yeah, around everywhere, but they can given the other pass catchers around them. Now, Sky Moore could come out and dominate the NFL. We don't know that yet. But as it stands now, none of these other receivers scare me at all if I'm a defensive coordinator. So if I can bracket coverage on Kelsey, run trail man every now and then, um, I think it's going to be a lot harder for him to get these open looks that he's had over the years. Yeah, sure, he's not going to have Tyreek opening up you know, the middle of the field because people are chasing him. But, you know, getting Juju, MVS, and they're guys that at least defenses are going to respect. Yeah, they're not the cheetah, and I'm not pretending they are. They're not going to just let them roam free and always single coverage. The thing is, the Chiefs' offense is so diverse. There's times where nobody's covering Kelsey because they just lose him. There's other times there's two guys on him, and, and the thing is Mahomes trusts him so much he throws to him anyway. I'd love to buy what you're selling on this one, but I, I cannot see a path to this happening unless – Injury. But that's why yeah, it's bold, is, right? That's why right, it's bold. And, and my boldest it's not one, like I, I think, think you're a fool. I just of the of your four things, I think this is the one that has the least chance of of actually happening. It's extremely bold. It's not quite super uber mega hypersonic, but it's a little past it's a little past bold, barring injury. All right, let's hear yours, sir. And for the record, for those listening, um I I do like a document. And I share with Kevin so he can see how the show is going to go and has an idea and he knows what I'm going to say. I usually don't know what he's going to say, uh, but then, you know, he'll share some things here and there. He refused to tell me what this this last bold prediction of his was because he wants to he wants me to catch it live on the air. So we'll see how this goes. For those of you that just heard that, <laughs> there is a chance that Bobby will leave his desk right now he may retire move on because he might not want to hear this the, this this could truly ring his bell in a horrible horrible way all right what about my eagles here we go oh it's not about your eagles okay. on sunday february 12th 2023 at state farm stadium in glendale arizona the Dallas Cowboys will be Super Bowl champions. Continue. <laughs> Beating your Chargers. I think you've mentioned you think the Chargers will go to the Super Bowl. I haven't made my preseason picks yet, but they're definitely going to be in the running. The Cowboys will not be in the running. Well, the Cowboys tell will me, be Super Bowl champions. Tell me, tell me why the team that historically is 500 is going to make the okay. Super Bowl. Okay. So, of course, they've won five Super Bowls already. The last one was Super Bowl 30 against the Steelers after the 95 season. Well, we've got to have a little bit of a backstory here, buddy. I don't care something about 30 years ago. Since then, they've had 11 playoff appearances, only won four playoff games. And though they were 12 and five last year, Mr. Mike McCarthy is most definitely on the hot seat because Jerry knows his time is dwindling and he wants himself another Super Bowl. 
which should come this coming January or February. In 2022, or for this coming season, they are tied with the Commanders for the easiest schedule in the league. Okay. Now I'm a little worried about the Eagles. I'll, I'll, I'll give you props. They're, they're tough. They're tough. But I still think the Cowboys are going to win the division now. I was leaning Eagles at one point, but now I'm not. So 12-5 last year, their offense ranked number one overall in yards, TDs, and points. Defense ranked seven in points allowed, but 19 in yards allowed, mostly because Mr. Trayvon Diggs, who gets so much acclaim except from us, gave up over 1,000 yards himself, only the 10th corner to do that in the last 10 years. Okay, but he did have 11 picks because that's his thing. He's feast or famine. He goes for the pick. If he gets it, he might score. But if he misses, boy, does he give up some big plays. So they they returned most of their players. They lost Randy Gregory. They added James Washington. Not a big deal. Dante Fowler, that could help a little bit. They kept uh, Dorrance Armstrong, Vander Esch. You know, they, they still got a team. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, they still got him. Uh, you got Dak, Zeke. Pollard, Gallup, Schultz, C.D. Lamb, still a solid offensive line. I don't see how they've really gotten worse. They've gotten a little better with a little bit of luck here and there. Dak shows up in the playoffs. Zeke, they say, of course, they say this we hear all the time. He's looking the best shape of his life. Every These summer. guys could make a run in the playoffs. It's all about who's hot in the playoffs. The Rams did it last year leading to the playoffs. They were terrible. They lost like four games in a row. Then one, two, and then just ran through the playoffs. All it takes is that little hot streak. And my dad was a diehard Cowboys fan, so I root for them against everybody against the Ravens, so I would love this. But even more, the look on your face, the show after the Super Bowl, if the Cowboys win it, is worth my bold prediction, and it would be glorious. And I would sit here with the biggest grin on my face all the time. I might not even speak. And you might not speak. You'll just frown. I'll smile for an hour. People can watch it. And we'll say, see you next week. And it would just, it'd be heartwarming for me. Heartwarming. That would be my nightmare. Uh, retort, especially, retort. especially if there was a, if there was a path where the Cowboys knocked the Eagles out of the playoffs, like if they both made it and, and uh, that would be, that would, that'd yeah, be that, that'd be the icing on the cake there. So I think you're downplaying the losses that the Cowboys took. You, you lost your number one wide receiver in Amari Cooper. Yeah, your your current that. number two wide receiver, Michael Gallup, is coming back from injury. You lost your starting right tackle, Lael Collins, who we talked. I talked last week at a PFF grade of 84. One, you know, he's a, one of the best tackles in the league, and you fill that with Terrence Steele. I'm not sure he's going to give you the uh, production that Lael Collins did from that spot. And uh, your right defensive end, Dorrance Armstrong. You know, I like I, I like the big boys. I think that's how you make uh, build a team. Neville Gallimore, Tristan Hill, your defensive lineman. I don't know, man. I'm not – none of those sh- strike fear into me. You know, there's no Fletcher Cox there. There's no – there's no – nobody named Watt or Bosa. I'm not worried about this pass rush. I, now, granted, Demarcus Lawrence is is obviously he's great, uh, and Micah Parsons is unreal. Oh, yeah. One of the best linebackers in the league already. Already, he's a stud. 
But like you said, the secondary, it's, it doesn't bother me. Trayvon Diggs is going to get a bunch of interceptions and probably take a couple of the house, but he's also going to give up three times as many touchdowns. Yeah, but I've read some things that are really working with him to get him to be less impulsive and stop always going for the big play. Now, well, that lead to, yeah, he'll have a few less interceptions, obviously. But he's they also going to not give up 1,000 yards again. So this is a bold prediction. I, it's not like I think that they're better than the Bucks. I don't think I they're it. better than the Rams. Okay, I don't think that. I don't. I do think they're barely better than the Eagles. But it's bold. It hasn't been done for a long time. It'd be a great story. They're America's team. No, they aren't. People want to see the Cowboys win. It's great for the NFL. The, what a glorious bold prediction! If this, if of my all these bold predictions I picked. If I could only choose one to truly happen, right here, baby. Let's go a, with it. Let's go with it. As a carry out a there, friend, confetti. All I mean, as a friend, you would choose this simply so I'm upset. No, because I like the Cowboys. Told you they're my second favorite team because my dad loved them. You know, we got we got our we got our name right here, but that just adds a little extra to it. Now, if they could beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl. Man, now I'm I'm just high on the hog. I got nowhere to go but downhill the rest of my life. If that happens, I might as well just call it quits. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, I got to be honest. This is my least favorite of yours. Uh, I'm not buying it. But uh, well, I'm not buying any it. of these things. That's, That's what why they're bold, bold predictions. That's what makes it bold, my friend. All right, sir, you got anything to add on to this? Uh, I do not. What are we going with next week? ADP? Yes, next week is our Goldilocks episode where we're going to take players' fantasy ADPs, uh, average draft position, and we're going to say if we think it's too hot, if it's too cold, or just right. So if it's too hot, that means they are going too early, too soon, too high. If it's too cold, then people are not high enough on them. Uh, their ADP needs to be higher, or maybe they're just where they need to be. Let Sound me ask good? you real quick before we sign off. Sure. If my fourth bowl prediction would happen, would your TV survive the night? Would I'm you not a I'm not a breaker. for a week straight? What what would what would happen? I don't break things. I would probably I would probably sulk for a while, like a full bottle of bourbon for before you go to bed. It would be. <laughs> Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not sure what would be worse, the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl or how I felt when we inex inexplicably did not draft Justin Jefferson and instead took Jalen Rager. Those feelings would be similar. Really? That's, I mean, you know how much I love Justin Jefferson. Coming yeah, I, out, I mean, that would have been perfect. Um, okay. Wait, let me ask well, you, if Dallas was in the Super Bowl, as much as we love the NFL, would you even watch it? Watch. I was sitting here thinking when you said that, like, man, I don't even know if I could watch. Um, I would watch in hopes to see them be absolutely trounced, like the like the Chargers were against okay. the Niners. Oh, yeah. That's that what I would awesome. want to see. That's what I would want. Yeah. What if Ricky the Cowboys Waters were up 28-3? Did you turn it off? I don't know. Is Tom Brady the opposing quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> That's all I was asking. Would you still – you wouldn't want to watch, but maybe. If it's my boy Herbert, I would never turn it off. I'll be honest, I've always watched all the Steelers Super Bowls and the same yeah. thing, just hoping and praying yeah, gotcha. that they lose and just 
in horrible fashion too. Like they lose on the last play of the game, something awful happens. Like when L Fitz ran that, had that really long touchdown reception, I was screaming up Jonah and I was at Steelers friends. His mom started screaming at me to sit down. Yeah. <laughs> of course, then they had that lucky catch at the end. There wasn't really even a catch to win anyway, but still at the moment, oh man, it felt so good. I was so excited. All right, um, sir. Okay, bye. Um, I'll catch you then. Well, yeah, uh, folks, if you have any questions, please shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter. We'll do our best to answer. We've answered questions each of the last two weeks. Our tunes are by Flatline. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at G-Y-B-R underscore podcast. Again, it's at G-Y-B-R underscore podcast. Like it. Subscribe. Click notifications. Do all those cool things for us. Thank you. Farewell.